0: that you would bless the rest of this service, bless Pastor Steve as he brings this message to us, Lord, and help us to have some application in our lives, Lord. We love you, and it's in your precious name we do pray this morning, Lord Jesus. Amen. These guys didn't know, but that particular song was the song that played at our um, when the church commissioned us to go overseas. And just two days ago, one of our One of our longtime friends and one of our mentors who was with us over there, she went home to be with the Lord and also be reunited with her husband. So two more people that were uh, faithful servants of God, serving in various places around the world, are now with him in glory. So I was reminded of that from that song this morning. We're in this series and uh, we have this week and next week and I want to talk today about anger What? (laughs) next Sunday I don't know if I should really say what I'm going to talk about next Sunday because you might be tempted not to not to be here next Sunday we're going to finish the series up by talking about rejection all right so that gives you a little preview All of our topics have been things that Jesus has experienced. That's why we're calling it Been There, because Jesus has been there. He's experienced a lot of these different emotions and uh, things in his life. But I want to start small this morning, a little more manageable for us. So you can think uh, somewhere on the scale of anger, because anger, you can be all the way at mild irritation. To uncontrollable rage and fury, and let me give you a couple things that might that you might get angry. with. How about bad drivers? How angry do bad drivers make you? Maybe to, maybe the amount of time you drive on the four or uh, on any of the other interstates. It might be something that pushes you a little bit more towards that red emoji face or the anger emoji face. How about people in your life who are those one-uppers? Every time you share something cool that's happened in your life or a place that you've gone, they're like, oh That reminds me that week when I went to Cabo last month. Amazing. Amazing. And suddenly your trip to Bakersfield doesn't seem that great. anymore. (laughs) Sorry, Bakersfield. No offense. I know. (laughs) This one might be a little more controversial. What about people who post every single meal that they ever have online? Whether it looks amazing or like dog food. Sometimes that makes mild irritation enter your brain. Please, no more pictures of your homemade beef stroganoff. You don't need to see it. Or what about those text ignorer people? You know they got it because you've either set up read receipts on your phone so you know exactly when it got there. Don't do that by the way. It's irritating to the receiver, especially the introverts that don't like to respond right away. But you know they saw it because you got the notification or you saw those dreaded, what, three little dots? that say that they're replying, and then nothing ever comes through. And you're left waiting, and you're like, don't they understand that what I just sent them was so important to me? Okay. All of those... Guilty. If you want to confess, go for it. All of these things, of course, there's a lot of light and funny examples. But the reality is this. We have an anger problem, especially in this country and in this world. In the most recent global emotions report that was compiled by the Gallup Poll Service, 150 plus countries, 150,000 adults, 25% of adults polled, that's one quarter of the world, has a regular chronic problem. With sadness and or anger every single day. We have an anger problem, and in this country I would say an anger and outrage problem. And in many ways we already know this because you feel it in your life. You feel it when you're with family at times, you feel it in relationships, at work, at school, at the holidays, or when you're in front of your screens. And that anger can rise up in you in different ways. And like a ticking time bomb, you know something's got to change. Or you know what's going to happen. If we want to experience healing and restoration and deeper connection and true peace, like what Jesus offers, we need to break our addiction to anger and outrage. Because, trust me, it is an addiction because we're getting something from it. It's feeding something within us that is not always good. Ephesians 4, 26, this is one of the verses that shows up all the time in the church. It says, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And even though this is what the Bible teaches, if you're anything like me, If you are a human and not a robot, you've probably failed at this so many times before. And you probably will again. We all do. So what can we do? Is there any hope of help? Actually, there is. The good news is that Jesus has been there. He has experienced and he understands anger. So we're going to look at his experience, and also hopefully some tools that can help us as well. Anger, we know, is a complex human emotion. It's something that is within us. It's hardwired into our biology. It's part of how God made us to experience emotion and feeling very strongly at times. And we are terrible at controlling it. It masters us more often than we think. It spans from, like I said, mild irritation to uncontrollable rage. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked about temptation. And what did we say about temptation? One of the things we said was, temptation, it's not a sin to be tempted. It only becomes sin when we act on that. It is not a sin to be angry or to get angry. But anger can easily lead to sin. It can bring you down a path that you do not want to be on because it can have lasting and sometimes permanent consequences. There are lots of definitions of anger. You can look at the American Psychological Association, they have a bunch of different ones. If you see a counselor they might have a particular definition. I like this simple one. Anger is the outward expression of an internal wound or offense. I just like it because it's simple. It's an outward expression of something that is going on inside you. So when you blow your top or you shrink back and give the silent treatment, that's just the result. Anger is considered a secondary emotion. It's a response to something that is going on inside of you. Now, many Christians, when you talk about anger, when you talk about Jesus, what's the story that you usually jump to? I'm not going to do it this morning because I don't want to break anything. It's when Jesus encounters corruption in the temple, people lying and cheating and stealing. And what does he do? He flips the table over. All right. And you can imagine, because you've seen videos where money flies out of a truck, what happens when money goes flying over? People rush to grab it. That's typically the story that we talk about when Jesus gets angry. That's our go-to story. And then I know you've heard the message, if you've been in a church before, that says, but it was what? Righteous anger. And we like that because then it gives us permission to react in similar ways. But let me, tri- let me tell you, when you flip a table at home, it's probably not righteous anger. You just like to think it is. We don't have the ability to quite control it or not sin like Jesus did. Yes. We're going to look at Jesus' other anger example. Mark chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can open up to that chapter. The cool thing about the Gospel of Mark is, I like that Mark just jumps right in to Jesus' ministry. He starts talking right away about all of the things that Jesus was doing and one of the primary things that Jesus started doing so that people could understand him and acknowledge his authority was he began to heal people and as soon as he did that and exercised a little bit of that power what happened people didn't like that especially those who already were in power and so they started to find or look for ways to catch him, breaking the law. One of the things that Jesus did was he would heal people in need, no matter what day it was, no matter where it was, or when it was. He already has people listening to his teaching and seeing him heal. And one group in particular, sometimes The Bible uses Pharisees in a collective sense, is particularly outraged that Jesus would heal someone on the Sabbath. Isn't the Sabbath supposed to be holy to the Lord, a day in which you do no work? And they considered healing work. So they looked to catch him. But Jesus was having none of that because he wasn't interested in putting on a show. He was interested in seeing what is going on in here, the motivations of the heart. Let me read the first four verses of chapter 3. It says this, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Sometimes it says paralyzed. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely. That word watched actually means they spied on him. It was the gotcha police. You know them, those people that are always online, waiting to post that comment right away as soon as you say something they don't like. Don't feed the trolls. You won't win. It's not worth it. In some ways, these are the trolls of that day. Jesus. They looked at, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone, because that's what you really want most when you already stand up. For someone to say, well, why don't you stand up in front of all of us? No, that's probably not what he was looking for, but this is what Jesus says in this moment. And then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained what? Silent. Silent. How mad do you get when someone doesn't respond if you've asked them a question, if they just stay silent? Doesn't that make you mad sometimes? You just are looking for a response. I know this from personal experience easy to get angry or ticked off. Jesus didn't too. Now, anger can be useful for us. We even sing that song, slow to anger and rich in love. Who's that about? God. The Sunday school answer, God. Or Jesus. So we know that anger has a purpose. It can be a force that motivates and moves you to act in good ways. If you see something wrong, you see an injustice, and it can actually motivate you to respond. Now sometimes how we respond is not correct, but it can be a useful emotion. It can help you to move when some, when you see someone who is vulnerable being taken advantage of. So anger does serve a purpose, otherwise we would not have been created with the capacity to respond in that way. But it also has a particular cycle that's easy to get trapped in. You can go online and look at all sorts of different psychological cycles of anger. This one is very simple. I like this one. It usually begins with an offense, some sort of injury or hurt, whether real or perceived. And what that does is it plants a seed in you whether you know it or not. And if that hurt goes unacknowledged or unaddressed, what happens? A root begins to grow. You don't see it, but it is being fed. The Bible sometimes refers to it as a root of bitterness. And it's fed. And you might not see it right away, but just like if you see videos of sudden someone suddenly striking oil, eventually that anger will come spewing out of you, and it usually gets on everybody around you. spews out in an outburst. There's a lot of collateral damage, and worse, permanent damage sometimes. You might know some people like that, or And while releasing building pressure can be necessary, when we are in times of intensity and high emotion, we usually can't control where it ends up and who it impacts. Releasing that pressure in unhealthy ways, all that does is it puts you back in the cycle again. Not just you, but sometimes the people who got hurt because of you. So more and more people enter this cycle. Another offense, another seed planted, the poisonous root is fed and grows, pressure increases, aggression builds, until another outburst. People suffer the sting of your wrath. And when I say you, I mean all y'all, including me. So now we get to the hard work. How do we actually begin to break this cycle. So today I'm going to use three words to frame the hard work that it's going to take. You can write all three down right at once, so you don't have to go back. Number one is discover. Number two is disclose. Number three is deny. Not denial, deny. All three D words. If you are more of an R letter fan, then you could use R letters. Recognize, reveal, Resist. I tried to come up with a few more. I tried you, but then I got stuck. So I just did this. Discover, disclose, deny. We're going to unpack each of those briefly this morning. Number one, discover. When we discover, we're trying to understand or recognize where our anger is coming from. Because what you're doing as a result of your anger usually isn't the source of what is really driving it. There's something behind it. James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You desire what you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You might know what gets you so angry, but it's still hard work to discover why you keep getting angry. You might not like the annoying person, but there's probably something deeper going on in your life. Some of you are here this morning, maybe you're angry right now because you had an argument on the way here. I know it happens even when you're coming to church sometimes. No elbows, please. All right? Or you're still mad at that driver on Highway 4 that cut you off and you said a choice word, or you made a choice movement with a certain digit on your hand. You're not very proud of it, but it's still bugging the right now. Or something from this week is setting you off, something at work or at school, something at home, or you were simply in the store and the line took forever. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, and everyone else better stay out of the way. You know it, we're not fooling anyone here. But none of those things answer the question in a way that gets to the root of why we're so angry, or what's really bothering you so much. Now there's plenty of tools available to help you discover why. Our society has a lot of tools. Counseling is a great thing. I think that anger counselors They must be born with a special set of thick skin. They have the patience of Job. They have to work with angry people all day long. There's a number, 1-800-662-HELP. If you need help and you're in crisis, whether it's anger or something else, you can call that toll-free anywhere in the country. And they will help connect you with a local counselor. They will help you find local resources that will help you, not just with anger, with other things. If you are suffering from the result of someone else's anger, this number can help as well. Or 211. 211, that's our local. If you need help with resources, don't continue to suffer. There is hope and help. Hebrews 12:15 says see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many you're always wondering what I have up here some of you know exactly what this is because you have some in your yard too. <laughs> You know the real name, because you're, you're our master gardener. I just call it the obnoxious weed <laughs> that grows so fast. And let me tell you, I got tried to get as much of it as I could, and it still went down deeper. This part here, I shredded, just trying to pull this out. This was two days ago. It is so hard, I could barely get it out. This one is one that I weed whacked, several months ago and it still is in my backyard and it's hard and the root itself is just a couple inches long now. It used to be much longer and it's very hard and it's almost impossible to get out. Make sure that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile men. If you don't dig down to rip out the true source of your anger, the root that is being fed, it will keep growing and it will suffocate the kind of healthy life that Jesus actually wants you to experience in this world. I was talking with someone before the service. We have a powerful resource that we underutilize all the time or we take it for granted. The most powerful resource that you have available if you want to master your anger, is one of the simplest ones that you learn in the church from a very young age, and it's prayer. And each one of these three points today has a prayer associated with it. If you're trying to discover the source or the root of your anger, then pray, Holy Spirit, help me. The moment that you want help, things can begin to change. They might not always change right away. If you don't want help, guess what? Things won't change. You have to want to change. Help me, Holy Spirit, discover what's the source of my anger. Why is this so important? Well once you actually start to see what's the thing behind the thing, the source of your anger, then that actually leads us to number two, the second word disclose. When you discover the source of your anger, you have to disclose it. Why? Because if you don't, it will continue to grow. When you expose things to the light, when you talk about it, when you reveal it in healthy ways, guess what? Things that are dark cannot exist or live long in the light. Colossians 3 says this, You used to walk in these ways, what it calls your earthly nature, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger and rage, malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. And if this is you or if this is what you struggle, some of what you struggle with, then I encourage you to talk to someone safe about it. Bring it into the light, or you'll never be free from it. Sin grows best, where? In the dark. It gains power. But when you turn on the light, that power is diminished and defeated. Anger that actually moves you towards sin cannot live exposed in the light. Let's bring up a science example. Hydrogen peroxide. You know, you probably have some in your house. A reminder hydrogen peroxide is not water. You know this. And how do you have hydrogen peroxide in your house? It usually exists in what kind of bottles? Brown. Those little brown, dark bottles, and maybe you keep it under your sink. The thing is that hydrogen peroxide is a good thing. It actually can help disinfect wounds or clean them. But if you drink it, it can kill you. The concentration is too high, or there's too much of it. One little change of an atom, something that is good for you in one sense, can also be something that kills you or seriously injures you. But if you expose it to light, there's a reason it's in those Brown bottles. What happens when you expose it to light? It. it breaks down into water and oxygen. It loses its destructive potential and actually what do we know about water and oxygen? Those things are good and healthy and necessary. All because you put it into the light. Anger can certainly move you to act in good ways but too much of it, or in too high a concentration, and it can move you to act in harmful ways, sometimes in ways that you cannot recover from. People die because of anger. People suffer abuse because of anger. People suffer in every way because of anger, uncontrolled. When you're angry, here's the thing, everybody knows it. If you live with someone and they're angry, do you know it? Yeah, you can tell. Whether they are a blow-their-top kind of person, or whether they are more subtle. The silent, treatment. the silent treatment. The cold shoulder. Bring it into the light, and it begins to lose its destructive power. Now this just begins the process, because only God can actually heal. Only God can heal the hurt that is causing your anger the brokenness that you feel, the breaches in your relationship. So let God go to work. Come into the light. Again, we can turn to the prayer multi-tool. Holy Spirit, heal me. Pray it in faith. Believe it. Holy Spirit, heal me. I want to be healed. Because in the end, only the Lord, God, can heal you Of anger and the pain that you feel. The consequences, they may still remain, but you can still experience a measure of healing. That's why we need to discover and then disclose, and this leads us to number three. Deny. Or, put another way, resist. Resist the temptation to feed that anger. The Bible might say something like, deny the flesh. And it means it in the sense of all of those fleshly impulses that we have, that they can be sources of good, but they can also be things that quickly become bad and get us out of control. Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. It doesn't say that the wise are always calm. And it doesn't say that a little venting isn't sometimes good when we vent in the right way. The one person that you can always vent to fully is your Lord in heaven. He can take it. The rest of the people around you, they weren't designed to take it. How many have been there before you've experienced all vent, no calm. Hmm. Or you've been the person, all vent, no calm. Or as the comedian and film star Groucho Marx said, he's the guy that made those, those things really popular, the glasses with the mustache, if you speak when angry, you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. Sometimes we call that foot and mouth disease. What else does the Bible have to say about this? I put a couple of... Uh, I listed the Bible verses on the back of your bulletin. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 8.13 If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You may have a reason, legitimate, to be angry. But you don't have a right to sin if you have allied yourself to Jesus Christ. He revoked that right for all who would follow him. But sometimes I just need to rage on someone. No. They deserve my wrath. No. It's just the way I grew up, it's how I express myself. No. Maybe you have that more subtle style we talked about before you know, a dish best served cold. Because not all sin that flows from anger is explosive, well, if you are a more subtle person, you don't get a free pass either, because that root can grow in silence and cold just as well. So how then did Jesus deny or resist the instinct when he got angry? Actually, it's what he didn't do that I think is more instructive for us. Let me read Mark 3, verses 5 and 6. After all of the people had no response, they were silent to his question. This is what happened. He looked around at them in anger, and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And his he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went up and began to plot with the Herodians, Herod the king, his followers, how they might kill Jesus. We can't have someone healing on Sabbath here. What Jesus didn't do was lash out at the people around him. He knew that you can't fight or force someone to see if their heart is already closed off. Have you ever tried to make your point? You're not going to argue someone to your point. The more angry you get, they're probably going to resist you even more. You're never going to win if that's the tactic you take. Maybe go back to high school. There's a great debate class that can give you some extra techniques. Maybe they work. I don't know. I'm not sure. What did Jesus do? He turned his attention to do what was right and good for this man. He did the will of his Father. He did what he came to do. And when we think about Jesus not sinning, it seems hopeless for us. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. Is it easy to not retaliate, to resist that anger, especially the person? Absolutely not. Do you feel like you want to get even? Yeah, you probably do. But is that Christ-like? Absolutely not. Jesus calls us to deny the negative impulses of our flesh. Resist that instinct to retaliate. We're going to talk about that more next week with rejection. Resist that temptation to act or lash out. It rarely has the lasting effect that you're hoping for. That's what we can actually practice doing little by little, step by step. So if you want to go online and read the article so you learn more and you're informed, please don't go down to the comments below. They're almost irrelevant. You're not going to learn anything by reading the comments. If anything, they're just going to make you mad. Because somebody's always going to complain about something. What's the simple prayer if we're working to deny the flesh or resist the temptation? It's this, Holy Spirit, Have your way." In other words, not my will, O Lord, but yours be done. Now, none of this is easy. So if you choose not to work at it or you're not ready or able to work at it right now, there are times where that can happen. But just know that anger will continue to be your master. If you want to be free, you are going to have to decide that you want to work at it. I have a section of my yard that I've been trying to improve in the front. It's this little square and I planted some uh, seeds that Ray had given me and I transplanted a few plants And earlier this summer I came back from some time away and what had taken over that little plot that I had gotten clean a few months earlier, of course, the weeds. And not only were they back, but they were back with a vengeance. So I saw them and I went out and I took my hoe and I proceeded to so vigorously scrape the soil that I broke the hoe. Because, see, a hoe might make the surface look nice, but it's not designed to get rid of the weeds. This made me mad. This made me even mad. So then I took this. I tried to scrape the stuff. Yeah, this broke too. And it broke. Double mad. It wasn't until... I used the right tool. I had to go to Lowe's and get something that actually gets down and digs down to the root. Please don't play with this. It will hurt you. You need the right tool to get down to the root. You can use a different tool. You can make the surface all nice and clean But you're only going to be frustrated because they will come back unless you get down to the root. Unlike your yard, when it comes to your anger and getting to the root of it, you can't hire a crew to do it for you. It will take your hard work. You don't get to outsource it. At the beginning we said anger was the outward Expression of inner pain, hurt, or offense. So whatever it is that's making that anger rise up in you more regularly, guess what? The good news is that God wants to heal that. You may not believe that right now. That doesn't make it any less true. God wants to heal whatever it is that continues to make you angry. What do you do after you pull weeds? You plant new seeds. You water them. You make sure they're in the light. And then you let God bring the growth and you wait for the flowers. I said I had three words this morning. Here's number four for free. Some of you have been looking at it the whole time. You're like, oh no, there's another one. I just have to fill it in. What do you do when you see the growth and you see the flowers and that bit of new life? You, rejoice. you enjoy the beautiful result. When you get to the root and you remove that source of anger in your life, celebrate it. Let others see the change in you. Because when God grants healing, not only does it change you, but it changes the people around you. And some of the people around you need the hope of seeing new growth and life in a space that seemed hopeless and dead before. I brought a sign of new life. This is the Easter lily from last year. And it died, and it sat outside. And then about a week ago, what happened? It started to sprout again. In what seemed dead, a sign of new life. And when you get rid of the root of anger and you allow God to heal it, let people see the sign of new life in you. Let them see the change. They need it just as much as you do. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And when he did what happened, it was restored. We all need healing. The good news is that Jesus stands ready to heal you. All you need to do is reach out your hand in faith. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving God who wants to heal the pain and brokenness in our hearts. Father, if anyone here is struggling this morning with this or knows that there are some roots that need to be ripped out, Help them to see and believe and know that you are ready to heal them. Like that man with Jesus, all it takes is to reach out your hand and allow God to begin to heal you, to restore you in ways big and small, to restore your life and give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. As God acts in your life in these ways. I urge you to respond to him. Give him thanks for the growth that you experience. Take a step closer to him in faith. Be open to the power of his presence wherever he leads you. Let people see the change. God, we thank you for your love and mercy and the goodness you show to us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Church, our good, good God is indeed faithful beyond measure. Receive the benediction. May God now fill you with joy and peace. See, whenever you take something away, we want it to be filled with the good things. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, go in peace, to love and to serve God and one another. Amen. Have a wonderful week. I look forward to seeing you again.